Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Money doesn't sleep unless you have it in a .01 savings account then it does sleep. My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always. My good friend, Andrew. What are you drinking, dude? Dude, uh, I have a grim two M's. It's Kinetic Cloud Dry Hopped Sour Ale. Ooh. Um, hey, I like the word sour in there. Mm. I can always get behind a good sour. I feel like I could just check always out, go for a sour. Check out this artisanal beer glass that, filled with apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> You're so responsible, Thomas. <laughs> I'm still not drinking, so I think this episode is going live on Christmas, which I, is like my the end of my little challenge here. Mm. We'll see how much I drink after that, but uh, I have to stay strong, so 100% pureed apple juice in the beer stein it is. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, so today we are going to talk about uh, something sort of related to something I did a podcast about a few weeks ago on my show, which is security and with regards to our show, we're going to talk about how to make sure that your credit card doesn't get stolen or somebody doesn't use it to defraud you. This is something that has been in the news quite a bit. Obviously, we had the Equifax hack happen pretty recently. So we wanted to do an episode that basically teaches you, number one, how to avoid fraud, how to avoid people stealing your stuff, and number two, how to catch it if it does happen. And uh, on the show, again, for what, the third time now, I think... Is our good friend Farnoosh Tarabi. What's up, Farnoosh? Hey, gentlemen. Where's my drink? Do you have a drink? I do not. I did not prepare <laughs> that side of the equation, but um, I will live vicariously through you. By the way, it's only like 11.45 a.m. Eastern, but whatever. Right. It, it's That's 1 p.m. where I am. <laughs> I, can't be, I can't be ashamed of the artisanal apple juice just because it's in a beer stein, you know? <laughs> That's true. So these are non-alcoholic beverages or? Oh, Andrews is alcoholic. Yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, did, I didn't clue you in. After Thanksgiving, I decided Coffee to Coffee would have been nice. I mean. I but... did coffee right before this. Oh. So if I do two and then we have another episode later, that and would be three probably. It's going to be Very dangerous. Yes. Yes. Thank you for having me on the show. This is really great. I'm a. Uh, I always love hanging out with you, too. It's a great show, and you always make it fun. So thank you. Absolutely. And so this time you're here in a sort of different capacity than you have been in the past because right now you're a, an ambassador for Chase Slate, right? 
Yes, it's been a partnership that uh, I've had for a number of years now. Really excited. We do a lot of fun, uh, important work together, trying to spread the good word about credit awareness, credit health. And especially this time of year, as you mentioned in your intro, there's a lot to be concerned about when it comes to protecting our purchases and protecting our, our financial information. And um, so so thanks for dedicating a whole episode to this. Yeah, absolutely. So we have an outline here. We could probably start at something more, a little bit more introductory, but I want to ask you a question that's been on my mind and I literally don't know what to do about it in my own life. Um, people keep telling me I need to freeze my credit at all of the credit agencies because mm. of the Equifax hack. Mm. And if people haven't heard about this, I don't know how you haven't heard about it, but essentially I think that 148 million Americans information was stolen from Equifax. They like say that all of your personal details. It's roughly 50% chance or, yeah. or slightly so, higher and, that and, you were affected. And given the fact that their tool for checking whether your information was compromised was literally a random number generator, apparently, um, 50% equals 100% in my mind. So I am 100% confident that my information has been stolen. And I was watching an episode of John Oliver where he basically just said, freeze your credit. Uh, and then some other people told me, well, you probably shouldn't freeze your credit. And now I literally have no idea whether or not I should do that. So, Well, I think freezing your credit especially in in the aftermath of what we know has happened with the breach is not a bad idea. I think that where there may be a caveat to that is that if you know that you're going to be in the market for a mortgage, a student loan, a credit card soon, and uh, you want to be able to have creditors uh, or rather lenders and underwriters have access to your credit, freezing it's going to create a hurdle. It doesn't mean that mm -hmm. you can't get these mortgages and these loans and these credit lines, but it's going to create an extra layer of unfreezing um, to be able to then uh, get access to your uh, credit history. Because what it happens is when you, when you freeze your credit, you're not just restricting access to your credit from potential fraudsters. You yourself also cannot access your credit uh, lenders who want to check your credit for good reason because you're applying for a loan will be blocked. So that said, you know, there's a way around it. There's unfreezing, but that could take time. And if you, if time is of the essence for you because you want to qualify for a particular interest rate and time is of the essence because it, rates may be going up, um, that may be something that you don't want to entertain right now. But certainly I think for majority of people who are not in the market for credit this month or in the next couple of months could be something worth doing especially if they know like you know you know right you were you are a victim of this uh yes i i assume that i am <laughs> you assume that you are yeah yeah um, i haven't had my information stolen at least on my personal account but i just assume that hackers have my information right i think that's the safe assumption to make mm. so how so. If, if i go about freezing my credit number one what exactly does a freeze mean does it mean that if a creditor goes and does a hard pull, they're just going to get like a no, like a blocked attempt, or is it just going to come back saying this person's credit is frozen? Is there any way around that? I don't really know. That's a good question. I don't know what the, uh, what like happens in terms of the experience that like a, a lender gets when they try to access your credit. Um, I just know that access is restricted to your credit mm -hmm. report which then makes it uh, really difficult for identity thieves to open new accounts in your name. Um, and 
I think it just I think what it may do also is kind of raise a red flag. So you get an alert that says, hey, someone tried to access your, you know, your credit report. So hopefully in the process, too, um, we can catch some of these people, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's hopefully part of like the benefit of having a freeze is not just someone not being able to access your credit, but for everybody else that has a stake in this situation, like lenders and bankers and creditors, that they may be able to find uh, fraudulent sources. Okay. So you mentioned getting notified if somebody tries to access your credit report. Um, I know that basically all my main online accounts, like my email or something, if somebody signs into it, even if it's me from a location that is not my normal location, I always get an email about it. Mm -hmm. So is there a way for me to get that with my credit without having to freeze my accounts? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, I guess. <laughs> that, I would like to, that would be great. I actually think that some of the credit reporting agencies are working on um, a system like that. I know that, for example, I was talking to my friend Ian, who works at um, Experian, and I believe they have an app, or they did, or it's in the, it's in beta that allows you to get notified. To, to your point, like to everything you just described, I think he has invented it. But it's not something. And what they're trying to do is to create like a system system wide app, like that for every credit. Because you know there are three major credit reporting agencies. Your credit report could get picked out of one of the three. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of communication that's going on in between these three credit bureaus um, mm. to that at that point. So, but there you may be able to find through these individual credit reporting agencies services like that you'd have to sign up one one by one for those kinds of things but i do know that that is where their heads are at and my friend ian who's a a very high level at experian was talking about this and i think that it's he actually showed it to me on his phone so i think that um it is something that is out there in the marketplace okay i know if if it's not here you have to freeze on like all three so like even though equifax is involved you have to like go to experian and freeze it yes you know in transunion and yeah and pay, because it's it's not information that's individual to Equifax. It's just your information, yeah. which is unfortunately a seven-digit number or a nine-digit number mm. and, you know, a few easily Googleable details. So I don't know. I, I'm just waiting for the day that we get like a nice public-private key that would system be nice. for identification rather than just a, you know, a social security number. Um, but I think I'll be, uh... I'll be twiddling my thumbs for quite a while. Honestly, it's not a terrible idea to use. No. I, I mean, maybe I don't know. I to look into the into the uh, details of that, but I know like Estonia uses um, publicly and private key encryption for their citizen records, which is pretty sweet. But you know okay. what you can do? What you could do in lieu of a freeze is just check your credit regularly. You know, monitor mm-hmm. your credit. You can do this um, for free three times a year. Um, well, I should say once a year, but from each of the major credit reporting agencies. So that's why it's like three times. But, you know, take advantage of that. If you if you haven't yet to go to annualcreditreport.com and pull your credit reports and see if there are any um, discrepancies, errors. A lot of credit reports do have errors, sometimes just small ones, like they misspelled your name or your address is wrong. But then there are big red flags, like what is this? you know, loan that's on my account that I never opened. And that obviously is a sign of potential fraud, but being proactive is part of, is part of the remedy here. You know, it's, it's, yes, we can sign up for a lot of these services. We can sit back and wait for alerts, but ultimately you should also be vigilant about checking your, 
your credit reports, your credit score, um, your bank balances, your credit statements, you know, and so that's part of why it's fun to work with Chase Lake because they have a lot of these uh these uh, services already for their customers. For example, they've got the Chase Slate credit dashboard where uh, Chase Slate cardholders can access their FICO credit score for free on a monthly basis and also see uh, all the factors that are contributing to their score. So um, in that way they can kind of create a very personal roadmap to improving their score. And if you have the card and you suspect that you are um, Maybe, uh, you know, it's the holiday season. It's the high holiday season. Lots of shopping going on. They'll send you fraud alerts if if in case someone is, you know, using your card, they're suspicious. That happened to me once. I was actually sitting at my desk at work and I got a call from Chase saying, hey, did somebody, uh, are you in Long Island buying a necklace for $1,000? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wouldn't that be nice? But I'm actually at my desk uh, in New York not buying fancy jewelry. And they were like, we didn't think so. So they're like, don't worry, we've got this. We're going to send you a new card. We're going to cancel this one. And, um, and, uh, goodbye. And I was like, wow, I didn't even, I would have never known that until maybe later I checked my bank statement and what that's like two weeks later, mm, perhaps yeah. when the charge hits my statement. And then at that point, there's not a lot we can do. Well, uh, of course you have zero liability protection, but in terms of catching the guy or the gal, there's not much you mm. can do. I guess yeah. that was my question because, like, if it's a thousand dollars for a necklace, like, I would hope that they would, you know, call me or something. But what if it was like fifty dollars for like kind of nice earrings, and it went through because you know it wasn't like a huge number? Um, I actually got an email from Chase about a three dollar charge. I think this was about right. six months ago. It was on my business card, and it was some really weird thing. I guess whoever I gotten my information was testing the waters maybe or something mm. trying to steal the card uh but yeah i guess so it doesn't have to necessarily be a high dollar amount but but i mean like what it what happens in the case that like say they did test you know it at a gas station or something and for whatever reason chase didn't call you because they thought it could have been you like do you just i it? guess in that case it, i mean if, if a transaction slips through that's why you want to look at your statement every month mm. Yeah, which I'm not week. super good we'll at check doing. Check it on your phone. You know, I, yeah. I I've said this since I started working in this space. It's like, like we get on scales every morning to check our weight. Some of us do. Uh, <laughs> why not check your bank balance every morning? You know, or your credit card statement. Or you like make it a habit, make it a daily habit. And now it's so easy. You have no excuse not to know how much money's in your bank account or whether that check cleared or what was that. You know expense on my credit card. I don't recall, but it's all there for us to access on the go through our mobile devices. And so just do it because like to your point, things do fall through the cracks sometimes. And so this is teamwork, you know, your bank's mm. working on your behalf, but also you should care. No one cares more about your money than you. Yep. If you learn nothing else from this episode, <laughs> you need to be your biggest advocate. And, 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 but look, I mean, yes, banks and creditors, they, it's, it is all they care about these days is protecting our uh, our money because if they don't have our trust, they have nothing, right? They have to make sure that they, we feel good and, and safe uh, working with them and trusting them. And to that point, to that extent, you know, they're they're doing everything they can. But still, yeah, you have to also be on top of your own money. But I guess yeah, the exactly. point also is like if they did miss it for whatever reason 
and then you found it because you're vigilant, they, they essentially eat it, right? Like they're not going to yeah. force you to, yeah, which I think is, if anything, the value of a credit card over like using a debit card where it's like yes. your actual money instead of like Chase right. Slate's money. And so <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong about this, but my mom always told me from like a pretty young age, um, always use a credit card online, not a debit card yes. because if somebody yes. does a transaction on your debit card, you can't erase that essentially. Right. You can get a new debit card, but they're not going to give you that money back. It's harder. I mean, unless, they may, unless it is. They may. You, but you have to work for it. You know, you have okay. to really. And then there's also. You don't uh, have that money anymore. So if you needed it for a bill, yes. you might have to wait like two months to. So in that case, you may get the money back, but you have to actually get the money back. Whereas with a credit card, you haven't personally lost money yet. The credit card company the, has. The, the, and, the charge gets dropped. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's generally still safer to use a credit card online always i would agree with that yeah okay um what about offline i mean what are things that you want to be concerned about or on the lookout for like when you're just shopping in the real world yeah or like i'm thinking about things like skimmers on gas station things like how do you identify swiping anymore (laughs) you should Mm. be using chip enabled devices and if you're somewhere where they don't have a chip enabled device I would think twice about swiping, you know, um, hopefully at this point, most merchants have uh, invested and rolled over into this new way of um, accepting credit payments. So with the chip, it's it's a better encryption. It's like a it's like an added layer of security, basically. And Mm. so um, it what it really does is it helps to avoid um, what they call uh, like a. well, purchase so someone posing to be you, right, mm. and charging uh, what they believe is your credit card, but it's actually not. They've stolen just the, uh, you know, the the code or the, whatever. Uh, the code, right? Mm. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not a forensic. I'm not a credit card forensic expert. But basically, yeah, this is uh, how it happens. And so we know, like, skimming is a huge has been a huge problem at gas stations, at restaurants, people just, um, you know, going and taking your credit card number and using that. So you just have to be really careful about what, first of all, the device is that you're, that you're putting your card into. Mm -hmm. Um, and just making sure that you're shopping at legit places. Like if you're, um, I know a lot of times around the holidays, we'll go to these like, you know, holiday fairs and then people just have like, you know, their phone and they're, they're swiping your credit card through one of their, you know, payment apps or something. And usually that's safe, but like sometimes, you know, you gotta be careful if they go away to go, uh, let me go uh, charge this. I'll be right back. Mm. I never, you always want to be in their presence when they're swiping because it's happened where sometimes we'll be even at a restaurant. Someone will take your card, go back, copy down the phone, the number, the, you know, the expiration date, all that, and then go online and start shopping as you. Actually, I forgot to mention one thing which kind of relates to this. Um, I, I would assume most credit cards let you do this now. Mine has an app that will give me a push notification anytime there's a transaction. So Yes. So you can actually um, create spending alerts on your card, yeah. which is, I think, what you're talking about. And that's really great. I have this on my credit cards as well. And um, Chase Slate offers this. So you just, you know, you if you know first personally that you have a threshold of how much you spend on your credit card before, you know, without like, if it's like a hundred dollars or $200, you can tell the credit card company, look, if, if ever, even if it's me, if I spend more than a hundred dollars on something, let me know. I uh, set mine to no, no minimum. 
No minimum. So every because time it's because, just yeah. yeah, you know, I can just swipe it away if I don't want to see it. Mm. So anytime I go to Whole Foods, anytime I go to really anywhere, I'm gonna get that notification because. Again, that one the one time I had my details stolen, somebody it was like a three dollar and seventy one cent uh, transaction that first time. And I want to catch it right when it happens. So I don't know. I, I'm not spending so much my credit card that my phone is overflowing with notifications. You know, it's a couple of times a day, maybe. See, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> my mortgage, my you know, everything is like on the credit card. So um, that would be annoying for me. But your mortgage is on your credit card. It is. Yeah. Whoa, that's okay. awesome. Wow. How did you do that? I want my mortgage on my credit card. How did I card. do that? I just It was an option. My, I have a Chase oh. <laughs> mortgage. <laughs> so I just hook it up to my credit card. And I mean, I pay uh, it off every month. Yeah. So just a place to store. I just want to get the points. <laughs> I was going to say, do you get points off that's your mortgage? Thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I paid some of my contractors the first time I got my Chase card because I wanted points. <laughs> And I think I had I had to do it through PayPal and there was a fee, but I was like, the fee is about a third of the value of the points I'm going to get. So, hey, um, wait, let me go back. Points. I don't think I don't actually know if my cre- my mortgage is on my credit card. I think I'm I think I made a mistake in saying that. I think I've, I've paid rent on my on my credit card. Before, OK, OK. But yeah, not I've mortgage. Done. Yeah. Back when they used to have William paid. Or yes. stuff like Yeah. I think that shut down a long time ago. But a couple of times when I was in college, I used William paid to pay my rent with my credit card. Again, trying yeah. to get points. Yeah, so not mortgage, but rent. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so with regards to your credit card itself, it really comes down to, number one, check your statement regularly. Mm-hmm. I'm a once-a-month kind of person. I really don't think you need to be looking at it every single day or week. Um, but I also pair that with the spending alerts. And for right. me, there's no minimum, so it's kind of a proactive thing. Anytime money is spent, I just check my phone real quick. And if I recognize it, you know, usually... Usually it's a notification coming in right when I spent money, so I know. The only time I have to pay a little bit more attention to it is if I was doing something totally unrelated and then it comes in and usually it's going to be an automated charge. Um, And then you can look at your credit score and your credit report, make sure that there's no new accounts. That's the big thing because if you're just checking your credit card statement, a new account's not going to show up there. I actually checked my credit report a few weeks ago and there was a Kohl's card on there. And I was like, why is Uh that on there? And that was... And it turned out that that was the first credit card I'd ever had. And oh. my mom had just put me on as a joint account holder. So it was on my report. But I didn't know it was there until I looked. So it's it's a good thing to look. Um, and then you can look into freezing your credit score as well. What I wanted to move into here, though, is some things you can think about or do that aren't specifically related to your credit card, but that can protect you from fraud in the first place. Things like good online security practices. Right. Because, Making sure that yeah, yeah, you're shopping at a site that is uh, secure. And there are a couple of ways to know that when there's HTTPS instead of just HTTP before mm-hmm. the URL. The S is uh, a sim- symbolic of secure. But then there's usually something like a padlock, too. That yeah. is another uh, indication that this is a secure site. Mm-hmm. But the, so HTTPS, is it's not um, a silver bullet, though. No. Because... I can go and I can buy an SSL certificate pretty easily and make a site that has HTTPS. So all that would mean is that if you put any uh, personal identifying information into this website, it will be encrypted when it is transmitted to wherever it's going. But if I trick you into going to a site that maybe has a URL that looks very similar to the one you were going to, let's say that uh, 
you know, you think you're on Amazon.com, but I've actually sent you to like Anna. I don't know some some With weird spelling. Two A's of, or something. Yeah, yeah Walmart. There's actually like a Walmart um, scam going around last year where people would get emails like check your Walmart delivery, and chances yes. are you might have ordered something from them. So you click through. It was like you know you're you're. We have to ask you a couple more questions before we can send you your item, and the email looked like a Walmart branded email, but the you actual URL was like W A L W A L M, and then like two A's. RT or yeah. wall dash mart, you know, I mean, so checking, it sounds so basic, but checking the, uh, the spelling of the website is usually a great way to figure out whether you're on the legit website or a fraudulent website. Yeah. Um, honestly, any emails that you get or texts these days that ask you for going on a website to provide your financial information or your login credentials, I would say, 99% of the time, it's bogus. Mm-hmm. Um, if a site really needs your information, they usually will call you if mm-hmm. it's urgent or, you know, they'll email you, but they'll they'll have some already like, um, they'll have additional details to, to, to ensure that they know who you are. Like they'll say, hey, based on this order and here's the order number, um, we need to like verify the date of your expiration on your credit card, but you can either call us or go on this, website. But if you do click through, like just really have a spidey sense going off on like, you know, the layout of the site is the site is the URL correct. Um, sometimes going to like just doing a little search and checking like the address, the phone number, all of that stuff that seems again, very basic. But sometimes when fraudsters are creating a dupli- duplicitous sites, they forget some of these finer details. And they also are terrible spellers, as it turns out. So that's also another red flag. I've done some reading on scammers, and a lot of scammers will purposefully spell things wrong because they're they're trying to weed out the smart people at the early stages before they're oh pissed. My goodness. Before they're pissed <laughs> off and they start doing oh some digging. Goodness. They only want to get people who are gonna overlook that kind of stuff. But it is important to realize that there are other scammers who will go to great lengths to replicate every detail. I've seen Facebook login pages on fake Facebook websites that look like pixel for pixel the same. And when you try to log in, nothing will happen. Maybe they'll redirect you to Facebook, but now they've got your password because oh, you no. put it in there. Yeah. So and then they, and what they do, they bounce you over to the actual site after you yeah. give them your information. So you'll just think, oh, it just didn't log me in that one time. I'll try it again. And it'll work because they've redirected you back to the real Facebook. But now they've got your password. They can go in and start yeah. messing with stuff. Um, I think the main thing is just like, if somebody is asking you to provide information, kind of hold off until you proactively seek them out again. So if you're being sought out, give up less than if you seek out. Meaning if somebody calls you, maybe say, let me call you back and then call the official number. And then, if, you know, if now you know that you're actually calling Chase or you're actually calling uh, your bank or whoever it is rather than trusting that they called you. If somebody emails you and says, hey, we need you to log into the site here. Maybe don't click the link. Maybe go over to your browser and actually type in yes. the website because yes. if it's real, you're going to end up at the same dashboard anyway. You're going to have to do the same exact thing. Um, the other thing that works out really well for me is I have a password manager that's a Chrome extension. So if I'm on the real website, my little badge for the password manager is going to show that I have an account saved for this website. Oh. So if I'm at a URL that's wrong, it's going like to be like, one you password? don't. Yeah. 
So yeah. if I'm on Facebook, there's a little one there just says you have a saved account here. You can even auto fill in the details and log yourself in. But if I was on a fraudulent website, there wouldn't be anything there. Thomas, do you save bank passwords in one password or do you keep those in your head? I save them. So you say so everything? Not ev well, okay, so everything is saved there, but I guess this is one thing that I usually tell people when it comes to using a password manager. No, number one, the password to your password manager. It would be kind of dumb to not know that. Uh, but also know your email password because your email is the place where password resets are going to be sent. So if you get, I don't know, hit by a bus or something and you can't log into your password manager, you can at least go reset your passwords mm. on all your accounts. They're going to get sent to your email. Uh, and on that note, this is something that I realized that I was doing wrong quite recently, actually. And I think a lot of people are. Um, we get all of our password resets sent to our emails, but then we give out that email like it's free candy because we email people with it. We use it to correspond. So it actually makes more sense to me to have two emails, one that is your login for all your websites, and then another one that's the email you give to people as something to email them with. Why? Because if, say... My email is thomas at college. You're saying that's what everyone's going to try and hack. They're not going to exactly. try and hack Thomas security account, blah, blah, blah at Yahoo. Exactly. Yeah. So if nobody knows what email I use for my Amazon account, how are they going to go hack that email? Thomas, you're so smart. That is really, it's a really good idea. <laughs> you're you're smart, smart man, Thomas. <laughs> Very smart. I don't know what accent that is, but I just thought I'd use it. It's the Long Island fraudster accent. <laughs> Maybe you were buying it. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Thomas Smart, you. <laughs> I do have to say, I'm surprised that they called you about Long Island because isn't, isn't that fairly close to New York yeah, City? Yeah, this is a. <laughs> I no love one in story. New York goes to Staten uh, Long Island. Well, also, the okay. charge was exactly $1,000. And I'm thinking to myself. Uh -oh. mm. Nothing you buy comes to zero zero dot zero zero anymore, mm. right? It's always like with yeah. tax and everything, it's something with a, you know. So it made me curious about how that even got processed. Was it somebody at the store who works there who was potentially, you know, hacking into their own system? I don't yeah. have, I never shopped at this place, so I don't even know. You know, the other odd thing is that I had just gotten this credit card. I don't even think I'd used it yet. So how oh. they got the information, I don't even know. That's weird. Yeah. Well, that one, Thomas. I have no idea how um, that happened. I'll, I'll go deep dive into the deep recesses <laughs> of the internet and figure that out at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess it would be pretty easy for me to have a square reader and just type in necklace, quote unquote, this costs $1,000 and then swipe yeah. the card or put in the information. I'm guessing they didn't have the physical card. So. I don't know yeah. if you know, but uh, I don't know. So, you know, I had my credit card stolen once and I imagine someone was like under the bar and they just like swiped it in their own reader. But the chip, uh, you, you put it in, but it, it doesn't do anything to verify me. Like, couldn't they just under the bar, the counter, stick your chip into a reader and then just like, why is that better? My dumb You're question asking? of the day. I don't know anybody. Maybe none of us know. About it's the an chip? extra layer. It's it's uh it is. I know I knew this answer at one point. Uh, <laughs> let's just look it up. Chip, credit card. <laughs> yeah, credit card I, I'm reader. not actually sure. Um, 
turns I turns just, card member information into a unique code when used at a chip enabled terminal that is code, difficult right. to copy. Yeah, there's probably a bunch of cool encryption stuff it's, behind yeah, this. So, well, so I'm gonna I, go read about it, and maybe we'll do like a nerdy episode about how yeah, chip this encryption not, works. This is not what I was prepared <laughs> for, gentlemen. <laughs> I had my credit card stolen in 1979. I'm not sure how. Explain. Yeah. I I don't know. Oh, okay, I get it. So, and this is just a really quick thing from Square. Um, the magnetic stripe cards is it's like a static piece of data based on some magnetic polarization or something within the card. So that's pretty easy to steal and it doesn't change. Apparently yeah, this- the data on the chip cards is changing a lot. It's probably an algorithm that it encrypts based on maybe a timestamp or some other seed that changes quite often. Yeah. So if you're buying like groceries today at three o'clock in the afternoon and then your card gets used again at like three thirty across town, that is where the chip reader comes in handy because um, it would know. Like, there's no possible yeah. way that you uh, could be at two places virtually at the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to do more research on this and figure out exactly how it works. But a good analogy might be um, two-factor authentication codes. So, sometimes when you try to log into your bank, you'll put your password in. But then they'll say, please type in this code that we've texted to you. Which, I don't want to get into it right now, but text SMS basically like that number is only sucks. valid for like 30 seconds so yeah they took so basically it, it's, it be, yeah. it's based on a timestamp as as well as some other information and it only works at a certain time it's going to grab the time from your system and and make sure that it's matched up with the bank system's time and hopefully if both of your clocks are set correctly then you'll be good to go but then it doesn't work at any other time of the day mm. so it's constantly changing All right, I'm getting a little bit too nerdy here. I do want to do a really nerdy episode on credit card encryption at some point. Maybe we'll lose all of our listeners from that. I'm just staring at you in amazement and like learning things. (laughs) I'm just like, keep teaching me stuff. (laughs) To round this episode out, um, one thing that I have learned in online security and working in IT is that typically people's worst enemy is themselves when it comes to I don't know, letting their computer get hacked or letting their credit get destroyed. Yes, it is possible that somebody who is a fraudster wants to steal your information and buy $1,000 necklaces, but it's a lot more likely that maybe you forget to pay your credit card on time or something else. So Farnoosh, you're the expert here. What should people be doing? What habits should they adopt to make sure that they don't shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to using their credit cards? Sure. Well, I mean, we haven't even really talked about how to establish good credit health. And you brought up the most important step, which is to pay your bills on time. That's, you know, a majority of your credit, uh, a big part of your credit score is about your credit, your billing history, right? Have you been paying your bills on time? Did you miss a payment? Did you foreclose on your home? Uh, You know, all of that's going to get reported on your credit report and can do real damage if you didn't do those things, um, if you didn't, you know, pay your bills on time to your credit score. So the first thing is pay your bills on time. And if it helps just automate your bills, your bill payments. Um, sometimes if all of your bills are at the same time of the month, that can feel like a real chokehold on your budget. So call your creditors, your billers and ask if you can change the due dates on your bills. That is something you can do Hmm. typically. And people don't, uh, but if you, you know, more than half of us are living paycheck to paycheck. So it's realistic to think that uh, if all your bills are coming on the 15th of the month or the last of the month, that can be really t- difficult for you because uh, it's going to eat up like your, an entire paycheck. Yeah. Um, the other thing is just, I mean, this going, taking a step back is just like knowing your credit score. 
And re- like we talked about earlier, reviewing your credit report, so important to make that a habit. Um, you know, checking your score doesn't hurt your score. That's a myth. Uh, people have that, you know, oh, I shouldn't check my score because it'll it'll dock some points. But actually, that's a that's wrong. And it's important that you do do that. Um, you know, Chase Late has the free FICO credit score every month. But, you know, if you apply for a loan or you apply for a credit card and that lender or creditor checks your score as a law as law, they have to then now disclose your credit score to you. Um, so there's there are a lot of ways to get the credit score these days. It's sort of ubiquitous. It used to be like you had to um you could only get it from like one site. But now I feel yeah. like there are a lot of places where you can access it. And if you have a card where that there's a partnership or there is access to your credit score, you should definitely leverage that. Because so that you don't know you... if you don't know where you stand, you don't know what improvements you have to make. If you haven't checked your credit report in three years, um, and now you're checking it for the first time and you're like, oh, six months ago somebody opened up a Coles card in my name, it's gonna be <laughs> a lot harder to now fight that and trace those steps. So keeping a good paper trail is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you mentioned the auto pay thing. Uh, do you actually do that with your cards? Yeah. Do you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I have checkbooks. Um, I pay individuals sometimes with checks, but very rarely do I write a check for anything these days. I didn't mean to put a stamp and put it in the mail. Will it get there? You know? Well, I'm not talking about checks. I'm like, do you use the auto pay to pay your credit card off? Yes. Okay. So I have two credit cards, like personal ones and my smaller one, I do auto pay, but for some reason I just feel weird doing auto pay on the big one. I don't know. Maybe it's just like, I need to feel like I logged in. You got to have cash in the bank. Yeah. Well, there's never a time where I let my credit card even get close to clearing my bank out. So that's never the worry. It's more just a case of I want to I want to have mental clarity that I went in and paid it. So I don't know what it is. And I have like alerts You're on weird, three different Thomas. systems. No. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. You're a weirdo. No, it's not. <laughs> Whatever works for you. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're still you're, you're getting your bills paid on time, whatever works for you, do that. Certainly, yeah. you know, auto pay, pay helps for a lot of us who are busy and don't have the time and are forgetful. Like I forgot to pay a bill years ago. Uh, one day I was late and that hit my credit report and it came up when I was trying to get a mortgage. So mm-hmm. I, I know that for me, auto pay is is what behaviorally works best for me. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should just bite the bullet and set it up at some point. I know logically I'm more fallible than, see, I've never missed a payment, but I know that like statistically I'm more fallible than the system will be. Maybe I should just have it and then still make sure it went through. I bet that if you do miss a payment one time and it's really just like a day, you just like forgot or you are traveling or you, you call up your creditor and you're like, I never miss a payment. I did it this time. It was totally a mistake. Please don't charge me the $35 or whatever. Don't raise my interest rate. They probably would be cool with it. You know, they're like, yeah, Thomas, we know you. You know, I did that. There's actually a grace period. So if your payments due on like the 16th, I forget if it was like 10 days or there's a certain amount of days, but it actually doesn't hit your credit until then. Cause I called them and I was basically like crying, please, you know, like I've never missed a payment in my life, whatever. <laughs> They're like, actually it's, you're fine. It wasn't a thing. So, okay. If Andrew's missed a payment before and that I man who started and listen, money matters and Farnoosh has missed a payment. I think I'm going to go turn the auto payment on. 
I don't know. <laughs> I used <laughs> to do the same as you. I wanted to like it. know what my yeah. spending was, and it was just kind of like an understanding of what's going on. But uh, it, it's not worth missing. You know, maybe I'll just change it to auto pay, but still log in and look at the statement and verify. Mm. That's probably safer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, is there anything else we wanted to cover quickly, or do you think we we uh, nailed it? I think that was pretty good. Cool. Um, I do want to mention that we have done at least one episode that explains the ranking factors of the credit score in detail. So if you want to know how missed payments affect your credit card, how the age of your accounts, all that kind of stuff affect your credit score, we'll have a link to that episode in the show notes. I think that's definitely a good follow-up if you're pretty new to the show. And also, Farnoosh, where can people follow you online and uh, read or listen to your work? So money. That's my podcast. So moneypodcast.com. And if you would like to learn more about how to improve your credit health, if you want to learn more about Chase Slate, just go to chase.com slash slate. Cool. All righty. Well, thanks for listening to this episode, guys. If you want to find our other tools and apps and books that we recommend, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is the place to go. Otherwise, find the show notes for this episode with all the links that we had mentioned and some extra details at listenmoneymatters.com slash show. So that is all we've got for this week. We will see you in next week's episode. Later. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 